you need to do. Go in for a free consultation. Their number is 72. Mike Rowe here for one hour. Today, Chuck is jockey. Are you worried about the markets? How Please find out about the latest technology to give you silence. They're having a free seminar to talk about this brand new technology that's in the world. October of 1962, at the height of the Cold War, where the U.S. and the Soviet Union entered into a 13-day conflict that today we know as the Cuba Missile Crisis. In an effort to answer for the ballistic missiles that the United States was housing in Italy and Turkey, the Soviets secretly, at the cover of night, took their ballistic missiles and brought them to the islands of Cuba. 90 miles off of the coast of the United States. Anybody that looked at this realized that the world, specifically the United States, was on the brink of what could be nuclear war. A scary place to be. It was at this time that a songwriter by the name of Noel Regeny was commissioned by a record producer to write a Christmas song. As Regine sat in his New York apartment, looking about at the landscape, realizing that it could be the very last time that he ever looked out that window and saw the world the way that it looked at that moment in time. And then as he looked down at his paper and held his pen to write a Christmas song, he realized that what he had heard about this man named Jesus what he knew about this baby that was born to earth to bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men didn't seem to be playing itself out in the world around him the way that he thought it would. Ultimately, Noel, as he sat to write this Christmas song, realized what he had heard and what he was seeing didn't seem to line up. It's at this very place that Noel Regney wrote what he claims is a cry for peace in the middle of chaos. And he wrote a song that you and I know today as the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? He knew that what was going on in the world didn't line up with what he had heard about Jesus. So I want to take a moment, I want to draw your attention to the screens behind me, and I'm going to read the lyrics of that song, and I want you to follow along with those with me very quickly. Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite, with a tail as big 
as a kite. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, high above the trees, with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know what I know? In your palace, warm, mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Said the king to the people everywhere, listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. Noel Regeny, after writing this song and it being played for years and years as a traditional Christmas song, he made a statement about the song that I think is really interesting and I think really connects maybe now understanding the meaning behind this song. And he said, I am amazed that people can think that they know the song and not know it is a prayer for peace. But we are so bombarded by sound and our attention spans are so short that we now listen only to catchy beginnings. You know, I hope that forever now in this Christmas season this year and Christmas seasons in the future, that each and every one of you would have a little bit of a ruined environment in a good way when you listen to this song. Knowing the heart behind it, knowing how it was written, why it was written, when it was written, we can look at it and we can hear the words that are sung in a whole different way. But I love, even more than maybe just the words of that song, I love Noel Regeny's quote talking about the fact of how we live in a society and we live in a world today where noise is just part of life. It happens at every place, from every angle, from every direction. And there is so much noise going on in our lives that ultimately that we allow to happen in our lives that oftentimes it's really difficult to hear. It's difficult to hear the messages that are being presented to us. And so church, I wanna start off this weekend and hopefully this holiday season in some way, shape or form with a simple question to you. What do you hear? In a world full of sound, whether it be a spouse, a child or children, your job, your finances, the shopping, the family, the friends, the holidays, the music, all of those things, all of the sound that's going on around us. What do you hear? For me, I'm reminded towards the beginning of my marriage, one of the things that I heard from the voice of God, and it comes from Genesis 1.28, it's not in your notes, but it says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and enjoy it while you do. And if you know anything about me and my family, my wife and I, we have six children. 
So we took to heart God's blessing in Genesis 1.28. And in fact, it was an amazing road that we got to walk down to see these six children come to life here on this earth. But not one without its ups and downs. And maybe you know a little bit about our story, but maybe you don't. And so I want to share just a little bit about that as a preface for you. Um, my wife, Amy, and I, we were married in September of 2005. And five weeks after we got married, we got pregnant. And by we, I mean she got pregnant. Um, and as you could imagine, our lives being newly married, being new into full-time pastoral ministry here at the church, um, and then being newly pregnant, our lives got on this steady incline really, really fast. Um, things took off very quickly for us, but we really loved it. We really enjoyed it, considered um, this child that was inside of her an incredible blessing and gift from God. And so we got to experience the birth of our first child, and any of you who have children, you know what an amazing event that is. It's crazy, it's a whirlwind, there's things going on that you could never even imagine, but what an incredible blessing that you get to experience right there, especially with your first, uh, just a brand new thing to be able to walk into. And we loved it so much, and we were young enough, and we were like, you know what, we're already on this path, let's just keep going. And so on a path, not knowing how many children we wanted, I said I wanted two or four. She wasn't really quite sure. She agreed kind of on that level. We decided, let's go ahead and have another baby. And so we got pregnant again. She got pregnant very quickly um, after our first daughter was born to us. Um, And about 12 weeks into the pregnancy, at an ultrasound, we heard the terrible news. And it was from the doctor saying, I'm sorry, but your child doesn't have a heartbeat and isn't growing. And they said, you're going to lose this baby. It was crazy dichotomy that was going on in our lives. We had just experienced this incredible blessing from God, this incredible gift, all these amazing things, this elation of excitement and just joy. And then very quickly thereafter, your world is rocked in a very difficult way. I know many people in our congregation have experienced quite very much the same way, the same thing in their lives. And unless you've experienced it, you never know what it feels like to lose a child. It's one of the most devastating things that you could ever go through. And so we, we really wrestled with this situation and this scenario, losing a child, and wrestled with the fact that we felt like the Lord said, go, like, go, be, be fruitful and multiply. I give you that blessing, and yet this is what we experienced. And so wrestling through that, we really had to struggle. Um, but eventually through the struggle, um, we decided that, you know what? God wants to redeem. We felt like the Lord specifically spoke to us that God wants to redeem what was stolen from us. That this child, it was not God's will and his desire for this child to pass away in its mother's womb. And God wanted to redeem this. And so we said, you know what? Okay, God, we're gonna allow you to redeem this. We're gonna keep moving forward. So we decided, let's go ahead and continue down this path. And Amy got pregnant again very quickly thereafter, actually. And this next pregnancy, we got to experience the great blessing again of another baby girl being born into our lives. What a joy, what a treasure. Maybe we even valued it a little bit more because we realized the cost that comes with it and some of the things that happen and surround that. And we're like, this is awesome. God has redeemed this and we're gonna continue to move forward. And we went into our fourth pregnancy very quickly again after our second child was born. And shortly after another ultrasound, doctors shared some news with us again and said, I'm sorry, but your baby's not growing anymore and there's no heartbeat and you're going to lose this child. This one for me in particular was a little bit more difficult, maybe a lot more difficult. 
Because I had seen the blessing and the favor of God and how he could redeem things and how he could bring life back and how he could fulfill what I believed were his promises in our lives and yet again experiencing something that was quite similar to the first situation where we lost a child. And really honestly, church, I began to really question God with a lot of questions. Not do you exist, but how? Why? If you care, look. God, I don't understand this. Ultimately, I asked a lot of questions that there are no answers for, honestly. That maybe one day, then and there, the Lord could answer it, but then and there, I'm not even gonna care about the answers. And I felt like the Lord just said, you gotta lay this down. You gotta continue to let me be who I am, and you gotta continue to let me be faithful in your life, and I will continue to redeem that which is stolen, and now you have even more that I wanna redeem. And so he said, okay, let's keep going. So long story short, we got pregnant again and we had our third child, a girl, three girls if you're counting. <laughs> and we got pregnant again very quickly thereafter. And sadly, same news, another miscarriage. In fact, we could see a pattern happening here in our lives. Pregnancy, healthy child, miscarriage. Pregnancy, healthy child, miscarriage. Pregnancy, healthy child, miscarriage. And so we had three healthy children. We had three miscarriages in between each and every one of them or after each and every one of them. And we were like, I don't know. I mean, this is just insane. But okay, Lord, here's what you said. So we kept going. Amy got pregnant again, had a healthy baby boy this time, our fourth child, a healthy baby boy. And it's at that point in time where we really started to question, do we continue? Do we continue? Because right now, cyclically, the way that things are operating, there's this fear that our next pregnancy is going to end up in a miscarriage because every other one has ended up that way. But it's at that time that the Lord met us and continued to share with our hearts, I want to redeem this. I want to redeem this. I want to redeem this. And so we entered into this time and we got pregnant. And 10 weeks rolls around and things are good. And 12 weeks roll around and things are good. And 20 and 30 and 35 weeks roll around and there's a healthy baby. We're like, okay, God, you are good. You are good. So I want to share with you really quickly something that the Lord spoke to me. In September of 2011, about four weeks, five weeks before our fifth child, another girl, was born to us. And our sixth child was also a girl, just so you know. We have five girls and one boy. Pray for me. Pray for him. <laughs> but I want to share with you something. In September of 2011, that the Lord said to me, what I heard directly from God, and it was a blessing that he told me to write and then to speak over my daughter Bronwyn. Now, I did this for all of my children. This is not something in particular that I did only for my daughter Bronwyn. Every child, about a month before they were born, I would sit down and I'd write them a blessing. And it wasn't just from my mind. It wasn't even just from my heart. But I truly would ask the Lord, God, what do you say about this child? I don't want to just speak words that I think are good about this child. But I want to speak the words that you have for them. And so in particular, this one stands out to me. And I'm going to read it to each and every one of you. And it says this, a blessing for Bronwyn. When I think about you, I am completely overwhelmed with what a miracle you are. You are proof of God's faithfulness in our lives. While I will always believe all of our children are miraculous blessings from God, you hold something special in that. You broke the cycle, my little girl. God has done something so special for you. 
and I prophetically announce that you will usher in the miraculous work of God in amazing ways. Being the fourth girl in our family and fifth child, I looked up what the numbers four and five signify biblically and found something really amazing. Biblically, the number four refers to creation, and the number five refers to grace and redemption. Each of these things rings so true with who you are. Your life has directly come from the miraculous creation of our Lord, and by his grace, he has redeemed many things that your mother and I felt were simply lost, specifically from our three miscarriages. I bless you, my daughter, to be the beacon of God's loving faithfulness and to help others understand and believe in his redemption through grace. Through you, many will come to know the Lord. My little girl, I already know you have such a sweet spirit. I speak blessings over you in this. You will live out in Isaiah 11 a life. The spirit of the Lord will rest on you, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord, and you will delight in the fear of the Lord. You will not judge by what you see with your eyes or decide by what you hear with your ears. Righteousness will be your belt and faithfulness the sash around your waist. May you always live a life of purity, undefiled by the ways of the world, but firmly rooted in the blessing and truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The peace of God be seen through your tender heart and mercy will flow from your words all the days of your life. Brahman, I proclaim that your life will be a beacon of light in the darkest of places on earth. Your compassion for the lost and lonely will chase away death and your actions will be your true voice. I love you, my little girl. May you always walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5. I want to read really quickly what 2 Corinthians 5 says to you with the Lord, the scripture that the Lord gave to me for my daughter before she was born. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside, but it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared for us this. As a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we are in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. I took these words on a piece of paper into a hospital room because I had heard from the Lord. I had heard from the Lord the great blessing that this child was, the miracle I wrote down, God has done something special in you and I prophetically announced that you will usher in the miraculous work of God in amazing ways. And then at the end of the blessing said, my daughter, you will walk by faith and not by sight. And I held on to these words and my wife held on to these words and what we had heard, we brought into a place of what we saw. I wanna quickly stop and just ask, church, what do you see? When you look around the world and you see and you observe with your senses, what do you see? We all see something. Oftentimes, we see difficulty. We see terrorism and bombings across the world. We see 
a lot of difficulty. We see politics that you may or may not agree with. We see all of these things around the world that are going on and in our lives, even on our doorsteps here, that I think oftentimes we have to wrestle with. For us, on October 4th, 2011, what we saw was the birth of our baby girl, Bronwyn Lael Pillar. What a joy it was. Our fifth child, our fourth girl, the breaking of a cycle. What an awesome thing we got to experience and got to witness right there. But before I got to hold my little girl, they put her on the warming table and they realized she wasn't breathing very well. So they said, hey, we're going to administer some oxygen. This is not something that's necessarily abnormal. We're going to just put her here and give her a few minutes to just kind of catch her breath. She wasn't really crying. And so they were just monitoring her and looking at her. They said, hey, maybe she has an air bubble in her lungs. Not really sure what's going on there. If it is, it's a very simple process and procedure to get that air bubble out. Um, so we're just going to let her sit here for a little while. And 10 minutes passed and 15 minutes passed, and I was getting antsy to read her her blessing, but the doctors were in and out, and things were going on, and I wanted to hold my daughter, and 30 minutes passed, and the doctors are like, no, we want to, we need to go figure out what's really going on here. I, I think that there's maybe a little bit more than just an air bubble, and so we need to go figure out what's going on here. So they took her from our room, and they brought her into um, the NICU that's there, and they put her under a little dome of oxygen, and they brought over an x-ray machine, and they did x-rays on her. And there happened to be another doctor. This is at Littleton Hospital. There happened to be another doctor there from Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital that has a, a level 3 NICU. And that was there looking at some charts and graphs and things of another child that she was monitoring. And she said, hey, let me take a look at those x-rays. And that doctor looked at the x-rays, and they said, your daughter has something way more wrong with her than I think what anybody realize, realizes. And she has what's called a congenital diaphragmatic hernia. Like, well, I've never heard of this before. I don't really know what it is. They said, well, your daughter was born with a hole in her diaphragm. And your diaphragm separates multiple major organs in your ca chest cavity from each other. And she was born with a hole in it. And they said, well, she wasn't just born with a hole in it. From gestation, from the time that she was being developed in her mom's uterus, she had this problem. And she said, I can clearly see from these x-rays that your daughter's intestines and her spleen are in her chest, where they're supposed to be down in her stomach. And they said, what this is doing and what I can see right now is that it's compromised her left lung significantly. Her left lung hasn't really been able to develop at all. And she's having a hard time breathing because of that. And it's also compacted her right lung all the way into the right side of her chest. And what was crazy is, and I could watch this, they said her, her heart is not on the left center side of her chest where it's supposed to be. Her heart's literally over here. That's where they could see, hear her heartbeat. And they said, we need, to, we need to take your daughter. And in the middle of this process and this joy, all of a sudden you get this incredible just let down, this incredible burden of like, oh my goodness. But God... I heard your words and I know what you said about this little girl, that she is a miraculous blessing. She will usher in the miraculous work of God in amazing ways. And so I stand on your word, not on what we see. And my wife and I prayed and we went and we watched our little daughter get put into this little cube on um, casters and that cube rolled away into 
the back of an ambulance. And I had to battle, do I go with my daughter and follow her to Presbyterian St. Luke's downtown? Do I stay with my wife? I'm not really sure what to do. Obviously, my wife wanted to leave, but she couldn't. I mean, this is just a few hours after our daughter's birth. And very quickly, our daughter was whisked away to the level three NICU at Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital. And I was in my car following her um, to the hospital. And by the time we arrived there, didn't really know what was going on. I mean, it was such a whirlwind. But pretty quickly, we learned that the situation and the scenario in her body was something that was pretty dire. The doctor said that in a good case, that 50% of the children, when it's a a mild congenital diaphragmatic hernia, when um, about 50% of children survive, 50% don't. Uh, They said normally children, you catch this in the womb, and for some reason they didn't. And they said, but your daughter's is pretty pretty severe. It's a big deal, and we need to do surgery on her. And so three days after her birth, she was wheeled into a surgery room where we kissed her and said goodbye and didn't know if it would be the last time. But we stood on faith of what the Lord had said and what we had heard. And she was wheeled into that room, and a few hours later, she was brought back out, and we heard great news that the doctors were able to repair things very well, that they have a great prognosis for her, but there's still quite a road of recovery ahead. And so we spent the next few weeks, my wife and I, putting a, a lot of miles on our vehicles going back and forth from where we lived in North Parker, South Aurora, to Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital three or four times a day. We would be up there praying for her and feeding her and just loving on her and while we're also trying to juggle all of our other children and all the other things of life that are going on. But every time that we went up there, we were reminded of what God said. That we had heard his word and that his word would prove true in our daughter's life. You know, we live in a world where the world around us constantly says seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. If you can't see it, if you can't touch it, if you can't explain it, if you can't smell it, if you can't taste it, if you can't use your senses to grasp it, then it's not real. Seeing is believing. And yet we serve a God who says believing does not require sight whatsoever. In fact, in the book of John, chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus speaks to one of his disciples. He's Risen from the dead, he's been murdered on a cross and buried for three days. He's risen from the dead and all of his disciples are told, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive. And one disciple named Thomas, who now is known as Doubting Thomas, says, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, guess what? Jesus shows up to Thomas and he says these very profound words. He says, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know what Jesus said to Thomas? All right, that's great. Now you've seen me, now it's easy. But what about all those who have had faith because I said I was coming back? That's believing without seeing. And church, I want to pose a question to you. What's more real? What you see or what you don't see? I honestly want you to think about that for a moment. What is more real, what you see or what you don't see? 
I can tell you right now that the world at large, even a large portion of the Christian community of people that are called to live by faith saying, what's more real is what I can see because I can use my senses. But there's another very interesting passage of scripture in Matthew 24, 35. It's the words of Jesus and it says this, heaven and earth, that which you can touch, that which you can feel, that which you can use your senses will pass away. But my what? My what? My words will never pass away. Jesus from his own mouth has said, yeah, both of these things are real, but one of them is more real and more lasting than the other, and that is my words. Because the world that we live in, the things that are tangible, the things that we can see, the things that we can touch, the things that we can use our senses with, will one day be gone. But what will never leave, what will last and remain forever and be more real for eternity are the words of our Lord. In fact, I want to show you how real the words of God are in a really neat little way. You want to say hi? Hi. What's your name? Bronwyn. No, I'm good. How old are you? Five. Five. And what do mommy and daddy like to call you? Miracle. Daddy, daddy. We like to call her Little Miracle. You want to say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. All right. Here's your 10 bucks. Get out of here. Give her a hand. Church, I want to let you know what the Lord says is always far more real than maybe what you experience in this life. Now, I know that not every situation turns out like that, and there are sometimes things in life that there are no answers for, but the word of God will stand forever, and he will always bring truth and life to you if that's what you hold on to. What do you see? Maybe more important, what do you hear? Because what you hear allows you to understand how you operate with what you see. Ultimately, it answers the question, how will you respond? We live in a world where there are two major responses. Those who have heard and operate in faith. And those who have only seen and operate out of fear. I'm reminded of the story of Jesus This is nothing new to the world around us. I'm reminded of wise men and shepherds who heard a prophecy or an angel from heaven coming and speaking to them. And based off of faith and faith alone that what was being told to them was true, they believed so much to pick up from what they were doing and where they were at to go see this Christ child. And then the same exact thing. This understanding, why are these men moving from here to there? Herod looked at this situation in fear that his throne was going to be taken over by this king, this baby king, and in fear issued an edict that every firstborn child under the age of two would be murdered because he was so afraid of what would happen. You fast forward thousands of years and things are no different. In fact, maybe they're worse. 
Because if you don't have the word of God, it is really hard to have faith. In fact, there are two scriptures that I want to leave you with. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith, this is the definition of faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. And then the second one, you say, okay, that's great. I know what faith is, but how do I get it? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing is through the word of Christ. If you hear correctly, church, you can see correctly. And if you see correctly, you can respond correctly. And we live in a world with a whole lot of noise where it's a lot easier to listen to catchy beginnings and move on. But God is saying, are you gonna take time to listen because I'm speaking? Church, if you are not hearing from our Lord and our Savior Jesus and from the Holy Spirit directly, it is not because he is not talking anymore. It is not because we serve a silent God or an uncaring God. It is because so many of us, myself included, allow the noise of this earth to bombard us and rarely take time to hear what really matters. I want to encourage you. We're going to take a moment and we're going to either sit and listen to what the Lord is saying and just read these words or maybe you want to even sing along to the song, Do You Hear What I Hear? We're going to take a moment to do that. But I want to encourage you not to just do that right now as well. But may you carry this in especially to this holiday season. Because here's what I know, noise tends to pick up as the season progresses. And if we're not on purpose to take time to listen and to hear the words of Christ, we will never respond the right way. We won't. So we're gonna join in. You're welcome to sing along. We're gonna have the words behind. You're welcome even just to sit and to listen. But either way, let's connect right now and hear the words of our Heavenly Father.